0: Totally Football Show, European edition. Today we're asking, how will Coutinho fit into Bayern? What next for Neymar? And should everyone just stop playing football and watch Zhao Felix at Atleti? Plus, wolves at Torino and big things growing in the nether regions in this Totally Football Show in association with Adi Bauer. Hey, listener, well done for joining us. We've got for you today, Julien Laurent is here. Bonjour. Alvaro Romeo is here. Hola. Later on, we're going to have Raphael Honigstein on the phone and Michael Jongsma telling us all about the Eredivisie. Do you know they're already three rounds into the Dutch Championship? And also back with us today is James Horncastle. Great to see you, James. Great to be back, James. That's nice. <laughs> what a weekend, eh, around Europe. A lot of people saying, oh, the European leagues, they're all a foregone conclusion. Ha! This weekend, none of the reigning top five league champions won. first time that's happened since 2014. Now, Juve admittedly didn't actually have a league match. PSG, Jules, we'll hear later on about what happened to them at Rennes, a 2-1 defeat. Bayern got held, a 2-2 by Hertha, and went out and signed Coutinho.
1: And Barcelona lost their opening game of La Liga. Thanks to a great goal from Mari Chaduriz, 89th minute, and he had a a fantastic bicycle kick uh, that uh, made San Mames roar. Excellent. Well, I tell you what,
0: Alvaro, in honour of that, let's begin with Bilbao bagging three big points against Barca. What a start to La Liga. First game in 1920. The champions go to the Basque Country, Alvaro, to take on Athletic Bilbao's All Basque 11 and a beaten 1-0, thanks to an 89th minute bicycle kick scored by a 38 and a half-year-old in his last season before retirement. Wow. Alvaro, you were telling us all about this extraordinary man's career uh, the other day and he comes on, what was it, in the 88th minute?
1: Yeah, he came in the 88th minute, I believe, and he scored a minute after he came in, 65 seconds to be more precise, uh, wow. with a beautiful bicycle kick. A week after he announced that he was going to retire at the end of the season, he scored this goal that gave Atletic Bilbao 3 very valuable points. Atletic de Bilbao needed uh, something like this because last season it wasn't very good, especially the first third of the season was catastrophic. And uh, beating Barcelona is something that doesn't happen that often. In fact, uh, Atletic de Bilbao is always powerful at home, but uh, beating Real Madrid, Barcelona or Atletico is not taken as a must at all. If anything, like manage to get unbeaten against them, is all right. But so beating them in the 29th minute is something really powerful and magical over there. Yeah. And keeping a clean
0: sheet as well, which is no mean feat, even if Barça were without Leo Messi.
1: They were without uh, Lionel Messi but uh, also Dembélé, Antoine Griezmann and uh, Frankie de Jong were there so they had enough talent uh, to try to win the game and uh, they played really badly Athletic de Bilbao put the pressure really high up and Barcelona couldn't cope with it and uh, I saw... Again, the mistakes that last season were costing Barcelona a lot, especially in Champions League tyres. They were slow when moving the ball. They were lacking some vitality as well, some vitality that I can see in Manchester City, in Liverpool at the time of uh, pressing uh, to get the ball back. Barcelona doesn't have that. And uh, I'm not too sure that Antoine Griezmann is the player Barcelona needed. Probably they needed a very quick winger and not a player who will basically play where Lionel Messi plays, when Lionel Messi is back. So I think that there are a few structural problems at Barcelona that the quality of Messi has been disguising and concealing for many years. And when Messi is not there, you can see what the problems are.
0: Interesting. When was the last time they failed to win their opening game of a campaign? That
1: was in 2008, when Pep Guardiola oh. took over Barcelona and uh, they lost uh, the first game of La Liga. They drew the second game of La Liga. And from that point on, Barcelona, Guardiola started, you know, moving like a wheel, like a machine and destroying every rival.
0: Well, plenty of time for them to uh, sort things out. However, this weekend, their rivals in Madrid both won. And let's talk about Atletico first because a lot of people talking about them as the real uh, contenders to take away Barca's throne.
1: That is still to be seen, I believe, because uh, Diego Pablo Simeone hasn't won the title since 2014. Some say that he doesn't have the, the quality of Barcelona and Real Madrid, but he has been given plenty of players in, uh, in that process, and he's never been able to win the title again. But, uh, well, there are some really promising prospects, and one of them being Joao Felix. Mm. Yesterday he did an amazing run that led to a penalty that Álvaro Morata missed. But uh, he, he is a player that uh, brings a lot of joy to Wanda Metropolitano. And uh, he couldn't finish the game because he had some cramps. But uh, seventy-sixty minutes of joy, Felix, were enough to know that he won't be the next big thing. He is already a really good superstar and mm-hmm. a really good player. So I would say that he is not a, a prospect, but he is a reality. I
2: thought he was amazing in the game. I have to say that run especially because he took on... Three players and it's the pace in which he runs with the ball. We we often talk about Kaka and how similar to Kaka he is in many aspects, not just looking like him, but but also the, the pace he has running with the ball is just outstanding and all the skills and everything. And and that was just the first game. You can just imagine in 10-15 matches when he'd be more used to playing with the rest of the team, more used to the Simeone method, more used to La Liga, more used to everything. It's just gonna be outstanding. And and he didn't come from far because, you know, from Portugal to Spain. But you, you could have thought, okay, we need a bit of time to adapt and everything. It didn't need any of that. so mm.
0: Just 19 years of age, Atletico did get a 1-0 win. Marata scoring uh, the only goal of the game with the assist from the other young revelation of this side, Kieran Trippier.
1: He was very good. He played really well for Atletico de Madrid and uh, I read an interview yesterday to Jose Maria Jiménez uh, who is uh, centre-back playing for Atletico de Madrid and he says that Kieran Tripper is making a huge effort to integrate quickly at Atletico de Madrid and he already drinks mate which is a very typical Uruguayan drink so apparently he's spending some time with the with the lads after training just uh, trying to integrate there and he played a good game uh, Kieran Tripper, in the same way that uh, Atletico showed that they still have and they will always half under Simeone. That uh, powerful defence, they were playing with one man down, as well as Getafe in the whole second half, but they didn't concede any, any goal opportunity.
0: Are Atletico the best-placed team this year? That's a question that's that's doing the rounds at the moment.
1: I still believe it's Barcelona. Uh, Really? And I know that Barcelona has some structural problems and uh, some good stars are ageing. They are in the wrong side. Well, they are 30 or 31, 32, like Messi, Luis Suarez. But uh, still, Atletico de Madrid is still to be proven. They've got many new players that we don't know how they are going to turn out. The likes of uh, Lodi, the left-back, who, by the way, was sent off yesterday. Um, The likes of uh, Joe Felix. Well, we know that he's good, but... Still, uh, do we know if he's going to be solid for 38 games? So there are many questions at Atlético de Madrid, whereas Barcelona has been winning the title eight times uh, over the last 11 years. So I think that that makes them favourites.
0: Okay. Speaking of Madrid-based former Spurs full-backs playing an important part in a victory, how about Gareth Bale, who got a start mm. for Real Madrid and set up the opener in a 3-1 win at Celta Vigo?
1: Yeah, no one expected that, because a month ago Gareth Bale was pretty much out. At least he was out from Zidane's plans. But uh, something has happened this summer, Real Madrid couldn't offload the player, and uh, he stayed, and I think that Zinedine Zidane has been quite pragmatic, keeping mm. the player and using him. By saying, we, we the have
3: sooner he goes, the better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that, that was back
3: a few weeks ago. Three weeks ago, it? and yeah. everything
1: has changed completely. And sometimes there are things that trigger these uh, mm. situations. Like, for example, Eden Hazard getting an injury. Mm. Obviously, Gareth Bale wouldn't have featured yeah. or wouldn't have started if Eden Hazard uh, was fit. And Luka Modric got sent off uh, for a straight red card in that game uh, for a stepping on uh, the Achilles tendon of Denis Suarez, which means that uh, he will uh, be missing one to three games uh, for Real Madrid.
3: Alvaro, I was quite intrigued reading some of the transfer gossip over the, the weekend about Jovic. There was already reports of Jovic being linked with a loan move to to Fiorentina, and this is a player that yeah they've only just signed. They've spent a lot of money on. I know he came on for the final ten minutes of the weekend, but is that serious? Are they are they really thinking actually? Yeah, he needs to go and play somewhere else in order to develop into the player that could be a Real Madrid number nine in the future.
1: I really don't think that's going to happen. No. It's true that uh, there is no patience at Real Madrid, mm. and it's a club that lives uh, by no what one. happens. Yeah, <laughs> what hap- what happens in the present is what counts, and it doesn't matter what happens a week ago. But this Jovic thing, I don't see it happening because Real Madrid needs pretty much a striker who can deputize in case Benzema is not available.
0: Mm. Real Madrid ahead
1: of Barcelona for the first time. In,
0: is it 74 game weeks?
1: Uh, 76 games 76. and
0: 818
1: days, according to Marca. Brilliant, okay.
0: Other news, Valencia got hit by the latest goal ever recorded in the Liga. How late was that?
1: Yeah, it was uh, in the 100th minute, as far as I re- can recall. Right. Yeah, and uh, it was a goal from uh, Oyarzabal, Zaval, uh, Real Sociedad striker. It was a crazy aggregate time between Valencia and Real Sociedad. Valencia was winning 1-0. They had the opportunity to score a second goal in the aggregate time but Kevin Gameiro missed that penalty and six minutes later it was Oyarzabal who scored from the penalty spot for a 1-1 draw between Valencia and Real Sociedad. Wow, okay. Anything else we should know about opening weekend in the Liga? Uh, well, a few interesting things. Uh, Soldado and José Lu, two former Premier League players, uh, were in the scoreline mm-hmm. so, uh, which is which is good for, for the clubs they play for. Crazy one, scoreline, no? Uh, one of them Granada, Villarreal mm. was 4-4, yeah. six goals in the second half. Yeah, that wow. was one of the highlights of the weekend, definitely. Sevilla won under Julian Lopetegui, and they had seven new players in the starting lineup, wow. which is not bad. One of them being Fernando, the former Manchester City central midfielder. And uh, the newly promoted teams, they all managed to not get beaten. There were victories for Osasuna and Mallorca, and uh, Granada managed to get a draw against Villarreal so it was a pretty good weekend for, uh, for newly promoted teams
0: Brilliant Ok After this let's hear about the opening weekend in the Bundesliga It's nice to have a break from advertising so here's some classical music Nice mm. At Paddy Power, we thought football shirts could use a break from advertising too. That's why we've sponsored Huddersfield Town shirt without a logo and started the Save Our Shirt campaign, where any football team that Paddy Power sponsor will be, well, unsponsored. <laughs> Don't you wish we weren't on your shirt too? Now, let's get Bark to the music. <laughs> Paddy Power, enough of the nonsense. 18
4: On Spotify, smart speaker, and podcast platforms everywhere. This is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media.
0: Hello, who's there?
5: It's Raphael Honingstein.
0: Raphael Honingstein. Raphael. Thanks for calling in, Raph. Whereabouts in the wide world of football are you? I'm in Huntington Beach. Damn. All right, A. What what a place! What a place to be as the Bundesliga season's just start getting started. <laughs> <laughs> Working hard. Were you were you able to catch the opening weekend and, for example, Bayern Munich's clash with Hürter Berlin?
5: Of course, James. Of course, the minor matter of eight hours time difference does not stop me watching one of the Bundesliga.
0: Excellent. All right, and particularly a season opener like that. I see that Robert Lewandowski became the opening scorer of a Bundesliga season for the fifth year in a row. Is that because Bayern always play first or something?
5: Yes, exactly. The champions play first, so it's not a total coincidence. All right,
0: OK. But the good news uh, kind of finished with uh, his two goals for Bayern Munich. Uh, they ended up with a 2-2 draw against Hertha.
5: Yeah, it was a poor result. I mean, Bayern didn't play all that badly. They created uh, a lot of chances. They started really well. But they conceded two very stupid goals, then only managed to equalise early on in the second half when everybody thought, "Okay, this is uh, now the onslaught. They sort of failed to produce and they left the game not just having dropped two points, but still wondering why it is they cannot find uh, better solutions against deep defensive teams. Uh, The story replayed itself from last season in many ways, where Bayern going forward just look a little bit short on, on ideas, short on creativity and uh, the only sort of um, positive coming out of this was after the game when they confirmed that uh, Coutinho has been signed on loan and uh, maybe less excitingly Michael Cuisance, uh, French um, youth international, will join as well. But that managed to paper over the cracks a little bit but would still leave a lot of people concerned I think.
2: Jules, should Rafa be getting excited about Cuisance? Cuisance, yes. I, I thought he did really well at Gladbach, especially the first um, the first season he arrived there from Nancy. He was a key member of all the France youth teams and then went to Gladbach uh, because he didn't want to sign pro for his club Nancy. Okay, uh, And it's a good. I think it's a good move because he's got a lot of talent.
0: All right, Rafa, we're talking a second about Coutinho, how that one's going to work. But while Bayern drop points, their two biggest rivals in most people's predictions both had big wins. Dortmund 5-1 against Augsburg and RB Leipzig 4-0 against your friends Union Berlin.
5: Yeah, very impressive from both teams. First of all, Dortmund, you know, they started really badly. They conceded after 30 seconds, um, some really sloppy, sloppy defending. But then, unlike Bayern, they recovered and they played some beautiful football. I mean, Favre will, will find ways against most defensive sides. His team move as a unit. They have a, uh, a game plan that you can see it's not just putting in crosses as Bayern have resorted to all too often. And uh, it was hugely impressive, not just the result, but the performance. Uh, and of course, it looks as if they might be able to take advantage of that uh, Bayern weakness that we, that we saw on, on, on the evidence of the first game. But with Leipzig, it was a similar story. Everybody expected them to struggle a little bit against Union who had their first uh, Bundesliga game, who caused a lot of noise um, after 15 minutes when the uh, boycott uh, stopped. And Leipzig basically took the lead and never really uh, never really looked back. Uh, Union had a, a few sort of half chances, but Leipzig's footballing quality and under Nagelsmann some kind of tactical accomplishment that you could see, they changed things up quite a lot during the game. They couldn't cope ultimately. Um, they didn't seem to mind all that much. Because the occasion sort of was um, was the big thing for them, but Leipzig looked looked pretty good.
0: Rafa, there was a lot of interest over this first Bundesliga clash for Union. The uh, opening fifteen minutes with this boycott—that was a boycott against the kind of their plastic opposition. Is that a fair summary?
5: Yes, absolutely. Um, they didn't like the fact that they were given that game against uh, Leipzig in the first their first Bundesliga game. They see it almost as if the. Occasion was a little bit uh, diminished uh, or cheapened by that. They they regard Leipzig, as many so traditional football uh, fans do in Germany, as an artificial construct, as a marketing vehicle. They don't consider them um, a real club, and you know they're so extremely um, positioned on the other side of the of the scale, if you want that strong bond between the club and the fans and all these things. So it was always going to be, I think. An opportunity to make a statement that they don't like the sort of team but after 50 minutes they basically stopped and just started supporting it their side and and the atmosphere was still was still amazing um some of the leipzig fans complained about their ears ringing because it was so loud but it wasn't ultimately enough unfortunately to to help their team to to get anything from
0: it. all here. right some really nice gestures as well rafa why was it that the official attendance was so much higher than the capacity
5: well, they counted um, some of their uh, dearest members who'd passed away before the, uh, the club had made it to the Bundesliga. There was uh, banners in the stadium recognising um, them. There was a white uh, banner for every member who, um, who didn't uh, live to see the day of Union playing in the Bundesliga. They were held up and uh, commemorated that way, which was one of those very uh, unique and very moving things that came out of this game.
0: Beautiful. All right, well, let's have a quick word about Coutinho. Part of the reinforcements for the champions, which also include Ivan Perisic, but most attention focused on the, the, the Barcelona midfielder, how is he going to fit in? Is it a loan that they're intending to then make as a long-term deal, or is it just a stopgap until the likes of Sani are available? What are your thoughts?
5: It seems to me more of a, of a stopgap solution. Of course, if he works out fantastically well, then they have the option to buy. As they found with Hamas, an option to buy doesn't necessarily mean a lot if the player doesn't want to stay. Um, I think buying towards the end of Hamas's stay in Munich, didn't want him necessarily to stay either. Mm-hmm. But the point is that it is it is an option that might not be relevant. Uh, what is, I think, really necessary is to, to have someone who provides a bit of spark, provides a bit of creativity. They've changed, if you will, the strategy from signing. Uh, wingers and 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 real wide players, in Sané or others that they looked at, and they've gone f- more for a number ten. Of course, he can play out wide, and um, I guess the thinking is that against most teams, Bayern won't have a lot of space, and maybe a, a, a number ten type player will be more beneficial than having a fourth uh, a fourth wide player. I can see that to a certain extent. Uh, at the same time, Niko Kovač has not really. Uh, shown too many signs of, of, of playing that kind of football with that dominant sort of number 10 and in the past. Uh, Ham struggled under him. Müller took a long time to get going and now plays mostly wide. So it's not an immediate um, fit that sort of screams, OK, this is exactly what they need. But I guess the, the pressure was on to deliver a big name and to get something in in terms of uh, attacking a quality that they found that a more opportunistic move Uh, was warranted in this case.
0: Pretty exciting signing for Bayern, though, no? From a a fan's perspective. It's exciting,
5: although I think it might be overplayed a little bit. I think Niko Kovac said the whole of Germany is happy that Coutinho is coming. I'm not sure about that. Um, (laughs) Hasan Salihamidz said he was the outstanding player at the copper. Now, I haven't, didn't see much of the copper, but my understanding was, apart from a couple of free kicks, he didn't do a lot for Brazil. So I don't know if the hype is necessarily in line with the with the reality here. But of course, it is a name. It is somebody that uh, comes from a big club. It's somebody that commands a huge value uh, as a player. And to get that into the Bundesliga is a crew of sorts and uh, kind of helps Bayern to feel that they're still a uh, superpower and still very relevant. But I don't think it necessarily solves some of the underlying issues, which we a saw against Herta and b much more difficult to solve when it comes to um, the authority of Kovac, for example, and the the lack of joint up thinking at uh, at board level. I mean, these these are structural problems that will, I think, continue to to dog them throughout the season.
2: I thought was was really funny was when uh, uh, Bayern put out a statement saying we were not going to reveal any details of the deal. And then Barcelona put out a statement saying, so it's an €8.5 million Euro, uh, loan fee and uh, Bayern are going to pay all their wages to charge and then there's, a, there's, a, there's an option to buy €120 million. Euros. So good for Bayern not to want to reveal anything, but the other club clearly didn't get the memo.
5: No, and they also, they also basically um, revealed the deal uh, during the game. Um, because Barcelona kicked off more or less at the same time and it was the Barcelona speaker on television who basically said yes this, this deal has gone through so for once um, I think Bayern they weren't happy that they didn't break it at the same time they were quite happy that they could just turn up in the mix zone and says, yes this is happening rather than talking about something that might not happen which has been their downfall <laughs> throughout the summer uh, with deals that uh, ultimately fell fell apart, so I think this is this is one that they can
0: live with. Rafa, have a super time in Huntington Beach, and hopefully you'll be back with us next week. Yeah, in the week after. Yes. Ah, all right then. Okay, well, happy trails. Next up, let's hear about a huge weekend in France.
4: You're listening to the Totally Furble Show in association with Paddy Power
2: sur le de Camavinga petit ballon par-dessus
0: Big weekend in Ligue 1 uh, Paris Saint-Germain losing there at Rennes Monaco also lost again and Lyon beat Angers 6-0 Six is on fire from the kings of Lyon hey that's my headline Let's start though with Sunday night and that uh, incredible win for Rennes put this in perspective, PSG didn't lose a league game till February last season. They didn't drop a point until December. It only took two weeks of this campaign, though.
2: Yeah, it was shocking. The performance was shocking in terms of collective, in terms of motivation, in terms of everything. Rennes is a bit of a, of a boogie team. They beat PSG in the French Cup final uh, back in May. They gave them a lot of troubles in the uh, French community as well. Noir w- we, we call them. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Noir, that's right, and uh, and they did it again on Sunday at home where with a very good game plan from Rennes, who you know, all the players worked really well five at the back, uh, they were very efficient going forward. They have this incredible talent in midfield, Eduardo Camavinga, who would we will talk about him a, a bit later. But from PSG's point of view, it was really, really poor performance, and it was the, the first time they lost so early in the league in a league season. Uh, since 2011-2012 when they lost on the opening game uh, at home against Lorient. They ended up not winning the league that year because mm. Montpellier won in 2012. In 2016-2017, they lost at the end of August in match day three mm-hmm. against Monaco away and they ended up losing the title that season to Monaco as well. Jules, what are you and saying? This one is matchday two. I'm saying that unless they wake up and Thomas Tuchel finally... Uh, becomes um, a manager again, because right now he's at best a football manager player, but not a, a, a very good one anyway. A football unless, manager player? Yeah, unless, <laughs> unless he becomes a manager again, like a proper one, unless they all wake up and stop relying completely on Kylian Mbappe because he can't do everything by himself. Mm. And unless they sort out this Neymar shizzle very quickly, it would be a, a poor season. You could see already that they're not up for it. Wow.
0: We'll come on to some of those questions very shortly. But let's talk about Eduardo Camavinga. MCR ABC says, is Camavinga now the hottest property in Europe? And for how long can Ren realistically hold on to him in the current football landscape?
2: For someone who's only 16, who last year became the first player ever born in 2002 to play in one of the big five leagues... And already you could see the talent and same with the, with the Rennes youth teams. He's not playing for France youth team yet because he was born in Angola and moved to France with his family when he was only one year old and he's still waiting for his, his French passport to go through. But that should be done very quickly now. And, but he's an incredible talent and...
0: What kind of midfielder talent are we looking at?
2: So he's a left-footed, sort of box-to-box player, but who, very much like the modern midfielder. He can, he can sit back, really, and play in a very defensive way right. because he's very strong and he, he has a big engine and he, he runs a law and he, he reads the game really well. He can also go forward with a left foot, as we heard on that second goal from Rennes, who he gave a lovely assist to Del Castillo. He can create. He didn't misplace a pass at all on Sunday nights. Incredible. He bossed that midfield like rarely anyone has done before against PSG in the last few years.
0: Also registering an assist at the age of 16, the youngest
2: player to do so in, in Opta's Records. He signed a new deal. They were very clever. They gave him a new deal where well, they extended his professional contract ah. three, four days ago. Right.
0: There, a backer, tell us a little bit more about who is behind Wren. Because I
2: wasn't I figuring that...
3: Them... husband. Exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Yes, the Pinot family, one of mm-hmm. the richest families in uh, in France, who owns loads of luxury, uh, brands, Gucci and, luxury exact, brands, luxury brands, luxury brands, and mm. you know all sorts of uh, very expensive things. They've they've built an empire long time ago, and they're from Rennes, they're, they're Breton, they're from Brittany. Mm-hmm. And the club has become was was bought by uh, the father, so uh, Mr. Pinot senior. Now the son is in charge as well, ex husband, and. It took them a long time to finally get success. Uh, for a long time, they spent a lot of money on players that didn't really work out for them. Same with managers, but in, in Julien Stefan, the son of Guy Stefan, who is a Didier Deschamps assistant with the national team, they found a really bright young French manager And finally, all the recruitment they did and being clever, the chairman is the former PSG sporting director Olivier Letton, who's doing a great job there. They've built a very, very competitive team and they won the cup last year for the first time in years against PSG and they had a very good success in the Europa League, only losing to Arsenal in the second leg after beating them at home in the first leg. So... Things are, are looking really well. They've got great fans, great ultras, great cop, and, and, and it's good to see how well they've played yesterday. And the academy is one of the best. Not just Camavinga, who joined the club when he was 10. Mm. But they've got loads of other very good, talented players that they play in the first team, like Jolin, for example, who, who again, we heard on, the, on that little clip. So it's a, it's a very, very good project right now.
0: OK. Lyon, with that 6-0 win against Angers on Friday, that's the biggest home win for 13 years. Speaking of not misplacing a pass, Jason Denaire completed all of his 114 pass attempts against Angers. That's the first time a player has made this many passes in the same game in the top five European leagues without missing one
2: since Opta began analysing these competitions. Incredible. It was excellent. Yeah, Silvino gave him the, the armband in the start of the season. We didn't know who would replace Fekir as captain after he moved to Betis. And Denaire was maybe not the favourite because he's quite a quiet guy, the Belgian uh, international a former Manchester City player who actually never played for them, but he has the charisma and he's, he's improving very quickly. And what was, I thought, fascinating about Friday night game was not just the result, 6-0 and they, they were very clinical and, and Angers were a bit all over the place after losing Jeff Renadella, former Arsenal player, to Lyon, although he, he didn't play that game. But it was the reception that the Groupama Stadium gave to Juninho. It was Juninho's return mm. since he left the club as as the legend, as he was a player, but now as a sporting director, trying to build this new project as well and bringing Silvino with him and... You know, buying all those players in in the summer, and the reception from the fans was just incredible. They had that incredible banner, and you know, welcome back, Juninho, and all the all the chants were for Juninho, and he looked very emotional. To be fair, it's something that French clubs have have rarely done, bringing old legends. And you see with PSG, for example, where former players are until re- very recently, very absent to that Qatari project. But I thought it was very clever from Lyon to finally go and get Juninho, who was always made for this kind of role. And let's hope for them that he continues like this, because so far, 3-0 at Monaco, 6-0 against Angers. They're looking really good.
0: Nice to see them bring back former Gleuzeau. When Thierry Henry went back to Monaco, I remember that was some really heartwarming, <laughs> heartwarming <laughs> scenes. At Lyon, they finished 19 points behind Paris Saint-Germain last year. Mike says, though, do they have a good chance of winning the league, though, this season? That's what? Nine goals scored and unconceded in their last two games now.
2: Yeah, and, and in Moussa Dembele, they've got uh, maybe the, the most informed striker, most informed player, I guess, with Kylian Mbappe. So far this season, he's scored two more goals. Mm. Since the league started, they've been well-organized, well-balanced. There's nothing, you know, it's not Pep Guardiola kind of football, but it's a very good, solid football, and Dembele is very good. And and you could see already what Silvino is trying to do, and, and they're working really hard. So they, they will push PSG, I think, for, you know, unless PSG wake up for, for quite a while.
0: Wow, Barcelona wobbling in La Liga. Bayern, who knows what's going to happen there? And, and PSG potentially seeing their, their grip on the title slip away.
2: It's the Neymar saga, I think. Thomas Tuchel keeps saying, oh, it's not a problem for my team, it's not a problem for me, for the players. I think it's really disturbing. It's disturbing for everyone. His friends and the other Brazilians like Thiago Silva want him to play and he can't play, he's not even there, he doesn't train with the team. I think it's a complete mess That is also reflecting on the form of the the team and with all the other issues like that dependence on Kylian Mbappé is far too big, the the Thomas Tuchel weird thing that he stopped coaching everyone and and all of that, it's not good for PSG right now when the others are, are picking up form.
1: And it is a big deal for Barcelona as well. Still, I go back to summer 2017. They haven't recovered from that summer yet. In the sense that Barcelona never thought that they could lose a top player to PSG. That happened. And uh, the other day against Atletic de Bilbao, no one was looking at Griezmann or at De Jong and saying, these are the new players, let's put our faith on them. They were wondering where Neymar is. And uh, on Monday... There was a meeting at Barcelona headquarters and uh, the outcome of that is that they are going to present a new offer for Neymar on Tuesday. So that could be one of those uh, decisive steps in an attempt to get the player.
0: But can can they... Afford to have that outlay on Griezmann and then come back in for Neymar. Would as have well. to be
1: alone. H- yeah, it no? would be a loan. H- hence the meeting. That's why they were discussing how possibly they could do it financially because obviously getting a player like Neymar now, as much as they have uh, managed to get rid of uh, Philippe Coutinho's wages, getting a player or signing a player like Neymar at the minute for Barcelona is impossible.
2: But the loan is not going to happen. PSG are not going to, well, right now they're, they're saying they're not going to loan.
0: They'd rather have Neymar sit out the season or be happy.
2: Yeah, but he, he he can't be unhappy for too long either. It's not in his interest or the Neymar brand or or PSG team or the Brazilian team that Neymar doesn't play at all this season. So he might sulk a little bit, but there would be a point where he will want to play again, surely. I wow. mean, he's a professional, James.
0: <laughs> that much is true. Uh, previously beaten by Leon 3-0 in an earlier round on Monaco. They went out and bought Ben Yedder, who was playing this weekend, as they got... Beaten 3 0 again by Mets. Who are they going to buy this week, Jules?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. They are, they're expecting more players, Tim Bakayoko, who they're trying to get back from Chelsea on loan. The name I've got
0: here is Mauro Icardi.
2: Uh, Mauro Icardi. Only if Falcao leaves, and even if Falcao leaves, I'm not sure Icardi would want to go to Monaco, to be fair.
0: Icardi
3: only wants to stay at Inter or go to Juventus, and that's it. Even Napoli, I think, have been quite frustrated because they're very intent on making an offer giving Wonder a role in one of uh, Aurelio De Laurentiis' films. Nice. And, you know, ultimately, it doesn't look like it's going to happen.
2: To be fair, even if Icardi was coming to, to Monaco, he would get no service. So even a genius like him in front of goals couldn't score many goals because there's something really deeply wrong about that team. You know, Lyon to beat Monaco, you think, OK, it's the first game of the season, Fabregas got sent off. But for Monaco to go away to Metz who are back in the top flight. And to lose another player, Red Card, Ruben Aguilar, who was sent off as well. And to lose 3-0 as well was pretty shocking. Jardim has a lot of work on his hand and they they will sign more players between now and the end of of August, beginning of September. But I think the problem is far deeper than just new players.
0: James and Jules, you're both going to be adding some continental flair to our first Totally Football Show live event of the season. I'll be joining you as will Duncan Alexander, On Monday, September the 30th. And, listener, if you'd like to be part of this very special evening, then you can acquire tickets now at southbankcentre.co.uk. Just search on Totally Football Show. You probably don't need to. It probably comes up with a big banner picture of one of us. It's me Uh, straight away. Is this the
3: same venue and same time as last year when we did this and it coincided with the FIFA Best Awards, which was next door?
0: It was next door. Yeah. The best is in Milan, I think, this year. Yeah, oh, OK. It's Milan, yeah. yeah, it's in Milan. We're not going to Milan. We are going to Liverpool in November when Jules, you and the Klopp Whisperer, a.k.a. Raphael Honigstein, <laughs> are going to be on board for that one. Yeah. So you're popular with the... uh Well, everybody, really. Wait. Anyway, we'll have more details on that later on, but ring this one in in your diaries. September the 30th, Uk. Oh, hello. Sounds like we've got another call coming in.
4: Hello. Hello, it's Michel Youngsma.
0: Hey, Mikael Jongsma. Excellent. Hey, Mikael, thank you so much for calling in because you guys have been playing football for, what, three weeks now already in the Eredivisie?
4: Yeah, absolutely. We like to start the league uh, quickly when uh, when the kids are still on their holidays so can, they can watch a lot of Eredivisie football.
0: Right. And what kind of thing will those kids have been seeing in the opening rounds?
4: Well, the first round really threw up some upsets with Ajax, Fay and Feyenoord dropping points. But, uh, I mean, three weeks in and it's back to the usual with Fay uh, and Ajax joint leaders, although Ajax are actually, actually top and Fay uh, are sharing the second to sixth spot with uh, four or five other teams. It's quite crowded up there.
0: Right. Ajax indeed who scored nine goals and conceded just one in their last two matches. They seem to have survived that run of uh, summer sales pretty well.
4: Yeah, absolutely. They've been they've been quite smart in in the, their approach of the window. In in general they have been uh, a bit of a scattergun when it comes to their transfer policy. They've bought a lot of players to replace Matthijs de Ligt instead of one uh, very expensive one. Uh, the main uh, the main candidate to replace Matthijs de Ligt there should have been Edson Alvarez, a Mexican uh, international who was also Catching the eye from, for example, Wolverhampton Wanderers, uh, but for now it seems like Beres Gures is the new, uh, the new hot thing in town. A uh, centre back that joined from Fortuna sitter last season, uh, and yeah, Ajax, I, I mean, you can see that they're playing uh, a different type, uh, type of football compared to last season. It's a little, little less controlled because of that Frankie De Jong shaped uh, hole in midfield, but it's, uh, it's again very fun to watch.
0: Excellent, Van de the 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 other name that's still. Being linked with a move to away, even at this late stage, Real Madrid supposedly uh, interested in him. He did uh, feature in the team at the weekend in the four-one win against uh, Venlo.
4: Yeah, and uh, he's been he's been progressing so well over the last year. Uh, it's it's quite remarkable to think around this time last year he wasn't even sure of a starting spot, and now he's one of the most sought after midfielders in the uh, in Europe. Uh, Honestly, it, seem, it seems quite likely that he will stay because uh, Ajax are a good place to be at the moment. They've uh, managed to extend the contracts of several of their key players, uh, including Hakim Ziyech, which is probably the the one that everyone is most surprised uh, by. And it wouldn't surprise me if, if Donny van de Beek would decide to stay for at least one, uh, one season.
0: Brilliant. OK, can you tell us a little bit
4: more about uh, VVV Venlo? Well, VfV Venlo is 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 a world-renowned team for Kaiska Honda uh, mainly, Uh, and Ahmed Musa, former Leicester City, was actually there as well. Uh, But these days, it's uh, it's it's the temporary home for Lee Kattamol. So exactly, uh, yeah, that's that's the one thing we're looking out for. So Lee Kattamol, he
0: he went on trial, or he's actually signed up for for the season, is he?
4: Uh, I think he's still on trial. I don't know if any, any contract has been signed yet. And I can imagine that there might be a bit of a uh, wait for that as well, because VVV Venlo play on an artificial turf and with Lee Catamol's playing style, I'm not really sure if that's safe for either the pitch or his, his legs, to be completely honest.
0: Right. It's not the most natural. I mean, I never thought Lee Katermoor, he'll wind up in Dutch football. How, what kind of a Dutch side are VVV Venlo?
4: Well, they've been they they have been uh, upsetting the odds especially last couple of seasons when they played a, a quite a sturdy brand of football you have Stan Falks there former sporting uh, Portugal uh, defender pace defender Dutch international as well uh, they've they've done a really good job in in setting up the team and getting some surprise signings from from all over the world so in that in that uh, setting Lee caramel would would actually fit quite well. Uh, they tend to be uh, more defensively organised than actually expansive, which also makes sense. So I think there there's some some merit in thinking it's a natural fit, actually, which sounds weird because Lee was probably the least Eredivisie-like signing uh, that we've had here for ages.
0: OK, he's not the only Englishman at VVV if he does join. Jerome Sinclair is with them.
4: And we expected bigger things of him, didn't we? So uh, it will be interesting to see if those who can can match up in, a, in an unlikely English partnership and uh, take the Eredivisie by storm. Right.
0: So far, it hasn't quite happened that way. VVV fresh from two 4-1 defeats in a row. Uh, what are the news? Uh, any other big tales that we should know about from the opening three rounds of the Eredivisie, Macau?
4: Well, the Finns are always a story, being the the second biggest club historically in the country. And the good thing about them is that they're still unbeaten in the league. The bad thing is that under Yabstam they're still to win a game, so that is quite interesting. Some quite remarkable signings, including Liam Kelly, who joined him from uh, Reading. Uh, apart from that, the one team that everyone is really looking uh, forward to at the moment is AZ. Uh, and they've been defying the odds uh, for, for ages because they're not that big a club. Um, they have been making headlines for the wrong reasons in last week because they're, uh, one of the, the uh, stands had its roof collapsing and it looks like they can't play there for a year. Those rumors are floating about at the moment and it seems like they averted disaster, but Where they will play, no one knows, but it will definitely be fun to watch because they have Myron Boadu, uh, a very young striker who seems uh, to be lined up by Ronald Koeman to make an impression soon, as well as Calvin Stengs, a winger slash midfielder that that has been um, bamboozling defenders for for a year now.
0: Brilliant stuff. All right, Miguel, that's excellent. Do hope you'll be calling in again soon with, with further updates on life there in the
4: Netherlands. I definitely will, James. Have a good day.
0: You're listening to The Totally Verbal Show with James Richardson. The wait is finally over. After a long summer, City A returns to Premier Sports this weekend. Channel will be showing no less than six live games in this opening weekend. And as per last season, Premier will also be airing weekly highlights and preview shows throughout the season. It all begins Saturday at 5 o'clock UK time. Palmer taking on Juventus, and that's live on Premier Sports. Premier Sports is available for just £11.99 for Sky and Premier player customers and also available on Virgin TV. Great to be back, eh? Hey, James Horncastle. Oh, it is indeed, James. All, wow. summer,
2: all summer, you two have been waiting for this show. All your friendly preseason rubbish, and now finally <laughs> you're there. I think
0: I speak for us all when I say we're very excited about Sidia coming back.
2: Right,
0: so. There's so many interesting moves that have happened, so mm. many developments. Stephen Dando says, which team, James, which team has strengthened best in Sidia, And how will Giampaolo do at Milan? Relatively speaking, so outside of the top six. Mm-hmm.
3: I think one of the teams that is really interesting and could push to get into Europe and do a bit of a Torino uh, or an Atalanta is Bologna. Because uh, I think Bologna have signed very well. They've spent a lot of money, 57 million euros so far. Joey Saputo, the owner, showing some real ambition after spending some money refurbishing the training ground in the stadium over the last few years. Just this sense that Bologna are better than a team that should be fighting against relegation or Mm. mid-table. Obviously, there is this question mark over Sinisa Mihailovic, who's been diagnosed with leukemia, is still in charge of the team, essentially through video conferencing, taking team meetings, um, being as present as he can be. But they're one of the teams that I think have strengthened the most uh, and improved a lot. And then, I suppose, I look at some of the the top six sides. You have to look at Inter, I think. Um, Just how wide-ranging the recruitment has been there, strengthened the defence, strengthened the midfield, strengthened the attack, and they're not done yet.
0: Andrew Cuthbert asks, what are they smoking at Inter Milan if they think (laughs) Lukaku and Sanchez will bridge the gap with Juve? And can we persuade them to take Jones and Smalling before the effects wear (laughs) off? (laughs)
3: <laughs> well, look, I think they're going to show that these two players um, are better than you know what their time at United um, has been. Because I think both of those players have had very good careers outside of their time at Manchester United. Maybe Manchester United is the aberration in their time as players. Um, it's curious to see Alexis Sanchez at the moment on the cusp of returning to Italy. Um, where he'd be playing in the three-five-two, which I think is more suited to his skill set. It's the system that he played with Toto Di Natale, Udinese. And, you know, I think the project at Inter, the manager at Inter, certainly doesn't suffer fools gladly, Conte, will be the kind of guy who could reinvigorate them. Um, so, you know, I think it's interesting because we've been talking about this merry-go-round in Italy with strikers, once mm. um, one. Uh, leaves the others will will, will follow but JEKO signing an extension at Roma was really unexpected and this is what's precipitated um, the interest and the move by Inter to, to get Alexis on you know what looks quite a favorable loan from Manchester United you know cheap fee uh, when you think of the, the age of the player and the fact that the, it would be what a loan uh, for a couple of years and United having to share some of the burden of those
0: in enormous it. Apparently wages. 70, 75% would still be paid by, yeah. by United. I mean, it, it could look terrible for United
3: if these two end up firing and, say, win the league with Inter, which I think, you know, we're going to have a very competitive Serie A this season. And if they do anything in the Champions League as well, with, which, okay, that is a question mark over Conte, but this is a strong. Side, which has been put together very intelligently, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So, yeah,
2: exciting. Like I said, that's from Pedro on Monday morning with the perfect couple with the photo of Lukaku and Alexis Sanchez or something mm-hmm. like that yeah. in their United yeah. shirts. Yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> yeah, you do yeah. wonder what they're smoking, like Gazeta as well, because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not so sure that Alexis and Lukaku got on that well when they were playing together.
0: Mm. Other bits of transfer business: Napoli have they now confirmed Chucky Lozano, or
3: is that still Don't think it's been Confirmed yet? But Napoli want to make a statement in attack. I don't think Lozano would be the last signing that mm. they make uh, in the transfer window. I think uh, they want to bring in a more orthodox, more traditional striker um, as well, which is quite interesting. Napoli are the only team among the top six who have still got the manager that they had last year. It's a very good manager in Carlo Ancelotti. So in terms of continuity, yeah, I think they're really up for contention. And Carlo Ancelotti has taken a lot of the pressure onto his shoulders saying, it's time now. We have to win something. We have to win a Coppa Italia. We have to win the league. We have to do something in Europe. Um, second place is no longer enough for Napoli fans. And you saw that, remember, last year in the attendances at the San Paolo, which were nothing like they were under Merizu Sarri. And he was like, we're actually doing really well. We're miles ahead of everyone else. who so were in third and fourth. So real statement of intent from Carlo. So let's see what they do.
0: Mario Balatelli, Massimo Cellino, the dream team is on <laughs> oh, at uh, Brescia.
3: <laughs> oh, this is amazing, James. Uh, I'm really excited about this. Brescia fans are excited about this. As we're recording, uh, Balotelli is about to be unveiled to the media, but um, the time of the press conference keeps being pushed back because they're basically having to hold fans back from the hotel in which this press conference is taking place. Um, yeah, Balotelli is from Brescia. Yeah, This is his hometown club, and the fact that he's... Yeah, decided to go and play for them at this juncture in his career. Remember in January, Jules, when he was unveiled at uh, Marseille, he was asked about, you know, will you one day play for Brescia? And he said only at the end of his career. I mean, some people would say he's at the end of his career. I still think we're going to see something special for Mario this year. He's just turned 29. There's the European Championships around the corner. He's back in Italy where Mancini wants him to be. And yeah, this is the most exciting signing that Brescia have made since the days of Baggio and Pep Guardiola um so you know Sandro Tonali you know we've got Balotelli with Donnarumma up front Alfonso Donnarumma the guy who used to play within the Inter's youth team I think it's brilliant how
2: did they afford afford
3: them well combination of of things um we had Massimo Cellino the Brescia president said a few weeks ago that um yeah if players are only interested in money, then yeah, they've got no chance. They have to play with their hearts, not look for money in their careers. And I think Balotelli's had to climb down maybe a little bit, but not much, because we all know that his agent is Mina Ryler. He he knows how to get his clients paid. I think one of the big things is that there's these new tax breaks in Italy. If if you've played abroad for two years you can come back and I think Brescia will only have to pay sort of fifty percent of his tax on his wages which yeah it has really facilitated in being able to get this deal done also the way it's structured is that um it's one year guaranteed and then it's two years um if they stay up on the, okay. on the back of that so they have to have to stay up and a lot of it is performance uh incentivized so in terms of games played goals scored um, Etc. So I think base it's about one and a half million a year, which is considerably less oh, than less, than yeah. what he was on at Nice and in Marseille. But I think obviously, you know, if he wins the Ballon d'Or, which we all we all expected from Balotelli yeah. and he expected of himself when he started his career, then he'll be making four million very soon.
0: A quick word on DiBala. Fantastic goal for him and oh, the
3: goal of the pre-season.
0: Goal of the season already
3: because the preseason matters. It's more important than Champions <laughs> League. But yeah, I mean, I think. As important as the goal, James, was the celebration, which right. was him popping his collar and showing the number 10 shirt, very important shirt in Italy and particularly at Juventus,
0: patting the badge on his chest. He does not want to go anywhere so here's M.A. Moir, who wants to know, have Patatici and Agnelli gone insane, or is there some Juve master plan? Why would they <laughs> be getting rid of it? Is, is the question whether it, I mean, you've raised the, the notion here about whether the, the man is really in charge of transfer dealings at Juve is a certain CR7. Is that mm. what's behind this attempt to move Dybala out? I think... With Dybala, it's, it's
3: exclusively financial. They need a windfall because of the money that they spent on De Ligt, because of the wages that they pay Cristiano, because of the fee that they paid Cristiano. They did a lot of business in the first half of the transfer window. And whereas in the past, they used to sell before they buy, under Paratici in particular, they buy before they sell. And he then spends the rest of the market basically bringing it back in. And he's been unable to do that. And I think this is one of the big question marks about Juventus going into the season, is if they fail to move these players on... What does that do for the the dressing room harmony at that club and the unity of that team, which has been one of the foundation, kind of the keystones to their success over the last few years? We saw Manzukic come on against Triestina, and he was just completely disinterested. He was Mm. like, what am I still doing here, essentially? I think that is a real problem for them, both financially and from a kind of morale and harmony point of view. And yeah, in terms of a master plan, I think... When you've tried to sell Dybala not once, but twice, and failed, it's a complicated
2: situation. Are PSG going to buy him? I think they would like to. To replace Neymar, if Neymar was to go, for sure. It would be one of, one of the two that they would bring in, or try to bring in. If Neymar stays, it's a bit more complicated, but they still might try to go for him. Although that's not what they need the most if Neymar stays. But I think that Leonardo really likes the idea of trying to get Dybala into Paris. Okay,
0: well... We'll see if he features in the opening uh, weekend of the season, which sees Juve kicking things off 5 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. They are at Parma at the Inutardini Stadium. Yeah. What, what a classic rivalry that is. Same fixture
3: as uh, Gigi Maifredi's first game at <laughs> Juventus. If you <laughs> want funny. to know more about
0: that, listen to the Golazzo So podcast. we did a Golazzo a series that will be returning soon. And one of the stories we did was about the last time Juve made a managerial appointment as unexpected and left field as Mauricio Saris. and the, the example we used was Gigi Moffrede he began at Palmer it wasn't a season that ended well we'll see how La Signora get yeah. things going you heard it
2: here first Juventus will finish seventh ah. <laughs> shall we put him on the spot for who's going to win Serie A this year then go on go on Inter
0: oh I think James? Yeah, it's, I think it's a, the logical choice at this point Uh, All sorts of other interesting games coming up on the opening weekend. Also on Saturday, straight after that, down at the Artemio Franchi Stadium in Florence, Fiorentina are going to be taking on Napoli. Will Ribery have signed by then?
3: (laughs) Well, talks are going on at the moment. It's a very ambitious uh, signing. And I think this is one of the great things about um, this summer is the ambition shown by by clubs, partly facilitated by these tax breaks, Um, but also the, the number of players who... Are kind of following their hearts. We talked about Balotelli going to Brescia, talked about Nainggolan going to Cagliari, mm. um, even De Rossi going to Boca, just sort of living a dream like that. I think is something that's made it a really fun summer um, to follow. But Fiorentina almost um, cocked up uh, their first game. It was in the Cup on Sunday. They played Monza, who are now owned by Silvio Berlusconi and Adriano Galliani who want to take Monza to, uh, to Serie A. And I think Monza were 1-0 up until what the final 15 minutes and then it was like Istanbul all over again for uh, for Kalliani, as these kids came off the bench for Fiorentina and ended up um, winning the first game for Fiorentina at the Artemio Franchi in six and a half months since that seven-one. Good lord! Against uh, against Roma, it, wow. it, yeah, again makes you reflect on how bad uh, their end of the season was and. I mean, if Montello had lost that already, the knives would have been out, I suppose. Mm,
0: if they weren't already. Yeah. Sunday night, all the games will be played in the evening because of the extreme August heat. Torino will be up against Sassuolo. Should be interesting. Before that, Torino will be taking on Wolves in the Europa League. We'll get a quick thought or two on that match in a second or two. Right now, though, his producer Ben. Thank you very much, Jimbo. It's Lee Price from Paddy Power on the line, listeners. Isn't that exciting? And talking of exciting, Serie A, ah, we've just been mentioning that the champions across Europe have been struggling. It's Parma against Juve on Saturday. What the odds of another
6: upset? <laughs> yeah, not great for those pre-season Akers for title odds. Although Juventus think will be safe this weekend. They're 1-4 to to win away at Parma, who are 17-2, to perhaps a shorter price than like what's happened over the last few days. It's 4-1 to the draw.
0: Over to the Bundesliga. Dortmund are looking pretty impressive. Marco Reus was Footballer of the Year in Germany last season. So how about a Dortmund player scooping that award again this season?
6: Yeah, he's definitely got form, hasn't he? A good shout. Although perhaps you're better off looking towards a certain teammate of his. He's actually English. I don't know if anyone's mentioned him before. Uh, jokes aside, though. Given Bayern a 1-3 to, to win the Bundesliga this season, despite their poor start, you'd have to favour one of their stars in our betting. Coutinho, of course, will be very popular in the goal-scoring markets here this season. Well, that Robert Lewandowski. He ain't bad, is he?
0: And finally, over to League R, where PSG lost and Lyon have made a sensational start. So should we be getting carried away by Silvino's boys and backing them for the title?
6: Well, I'm certainly getting carried away. Lyon looked great, didn't they? But our odds makers are not. And perhaps that's why we do our respective roles. PSG, they have lengthened in the title odds, actually, but that's to one to nine. Not exactly appetising. While Lyon have shortened in the betting, but they're still seven to one to win the title. After those two teams, the next best is Marseille at 50-1. to Or, in English, no chance.
0: You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. What do you think then? Thursday night, Torino taking on Wolves. What's going to happen, James?
3: I think this is going to be a tight game um, because uh, Torino under Mazzari have become very difficult to beat. Um, This was one of the reasons why they got into Europe in the first place, helped by the fact that Milan actually pulled out because of that agreement that they had with UEFA. But Torino have kind of done a spurs in that they haven't really signed anyone this summer. they've, They've really kind of gone in on the second year of Mazzari. Everyone knows the system. Everyone gets to know each other. They've got a really good goalkeeper in Salvatore Sirigu, experienced, who yeah, basically held his hands up in the interview this week and said, we are old school Italian team. Um, that is how we play. And they've got Ola Aina, um, who they signed on a permanent basis from Chelsea, who did really well in this 3-4-2 or 3-4-3 that they played last year. But I think what's been really interesting about them in the Europa League qualifiers so far is the partnership that has uh, began to develop between Andrea Bellotti and Simone Zaza. Mm. Because Zaza was very much seen as a lost cause for the last couple of years. Ever since he did that, uh, (laughs) Jules is, listeners can't see it, but Jules is uh, (laughs) imitating it now, that penalty run-up in Euro 2016, which... Um, yeah, Italy would have won that European Championship had he not, uh, him and Graziano Pelle, not blown those penalties. Um, but he scored three goals in the Europa League so far, and he only scored four goals in all of last season. Um, so Zaza is back. Mm. Wolves, you have been warned. Um, but I suppose, yeah, I mean, we, get, we might get to see Patrick Cutrone go back to Italy pretty early after his move to Wolves as well.
0: Mm. I think this is going to be a very evenly matched uh, tie. It's going to be great. Torino, as you mentioned, so strong defensively conceding less than a goal a game last season, 37 in 38 matches. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. The, the, I think the the big disadvantage they have is that they are a long way behind Wolves in terms of their preparation. City, our season hasn't begun yet.
3: Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, often been the bane of Italian clubs when it comes to getting into group stages of competitions. Um, but they have been playing in the Europa League. They've played already a, uh, a few rounds and they have got their match fitness. Yeah. Again, the delay in the decision from UEFA and Milan about basically Milan being decided to pull out of Europe didn't help them because all mm. of a sudden they had to get on the phone and say, guys you're on the beach, but you have to be at training a week early. Um, Didn't and stop Denmark in 92, did it? No, exactly. So there you go. James, Europa League winners, 2019-20. <laughs> <laughs> it is Torino. Torino. <laughs> All
0: right. What, what else is happening in, in Europe midweek, Jules? You were mentioning Strasbourg against Eintracht
2: Frankfurt. Yes, which is another interesting game. Another one of the... Why is it interesting, Jules? Because it's two clubs from the from the big five. Right. Yeah. So it's good. Strasbourg in their incredible atmosphere at the Stade de la Meno against mm-hmm. Frankfurt, who were the, very much a surprise... Package in the Europa League last season, which is the semi-final and only losing to Chelsea on penalties. So they lost Sebastian Alea, they lost Luka Jovic, but they've also signed um, some interesting players and Martin Interrega, who scored their winning goals at the weekend, was re-signed as well and permanently this time at the back. So um, yeah, I think this one is going to be
0: very interesting and, and quite entertaining. Alvaro, just to finish off then with this question to you from Carlos. Came in late, but we just got time before the show wraps. Can you ask, Alvaro, when he thinks Valverde will finally get the sack, what new <laughs> lows does Barca have to hit after the way they've been knocked out of the Champions League twice?
1: Is this a common feeling? I think that this is more of a social media feeling okay. than a come-new feeling. OK. OK, Valverde is not as beloved as Luis Enrique, definitely not as beloved as Guardiola, but... Uh, Barcelona has won uh, two leagues and in the last league I, th- I believe that they lost only two games and in the 2017-2018 season they lost only one league game. So he's not doing such a bad job to the eyes of Barcelona's president. But it is true that the Champions League, what happened uh, against Liverpool in the Champions League, obviously left uh, an indelible scar in uh, Philippe Coutinho, who is Mm -hmm. already gone, and uh, Ernesto Valverde as well. So if the results don't go his way over the last four or five weeks, I can imagine that he will be a candidate to leave.
0: Okay, You yourself said, though, earlier on, that Messi has covered up a lot of issues with Barcelona. So with... Leo Messi out for, what, the next couple of weeks as well? Is the danger that a really terrible start is going to...
1: I think a Barcelona calendar is kind of all right. They are not playing Real Madrid or Atletico yet. And uh, the next game against Betis is a must win. Betis lost... uh, the opening game of the season so I think that Barcelona has a chance to win there and to leave some problems behind but it's mandatory that the likes of Griezmann Mm. and the likes of Dembélé start signing because Luis Suarez is going to be absent as well as well as Lionel Messi and uh, those two front strikers uh, need to sign as soon as possible. Is it home or away? Against Betis at home. Barcelona Betis at home. Last season Betis beat Barcelona at Camp Nou by the way. When's that game being played? In UK time, Sunday at 8pm. 8 8pm.
0: 8 Nabil Fakir presumably will be uh, featuring for the visitors. That's going to be exciting.
2: Very exciting indeed.
0: Huge games then all over Europe and best of luck following all the action. If you miss out on anything or just are curious to hear our reaction, do join us next Tuesday for another edition of the Totally Football Show's European Edition. Uh, for now, many thanks to James Horncastle, Julian Leron and to Alvaro Romeo. Thank you. And Mikhail and Rafa for dialling in so unexpectedly. Uh, listen, I think you too will be back on Thursday with the regular Totally Football Show. So do join us for that as well for now. It's goodbye.
4: You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter and make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com.